It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everyone. Welcome into an episode of Kentucky Daily. Used to be a daily podcast. We'll soon be a daily podcast again. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined, as always, by my co-host, Derek Terry. Derek, uh, how many holidays and days have passed since we've done this? I think we've had Thanksgiving, we've had Christmas, we've had New Year's, we've had a Super Bowl, Winter Crown, St. Patrick's Day, Kentucky went from probably preseason top five to the bubble to to a five seed to losing to Vandy twice yeah. to now they're in Greensboro getting set to play Providence. But it's it's been a while and hope to God there's still people subscribe to this that, that are hoping <laughs> to hear from us at some point again. Also, uh, St. Patrick's Day is Friday, so already thrown off here. We beat that. Yeah, we got that coming up. Um, coincidentally, the night that Kentucky starts its NCAA tournament journey that it, some points of this season felt like there would be no NCAA tournament journey. Um, Sean, so much time has passed. I don't even know where to start with this basketball team or how we ended up at this point that we've ended up at. Um, but it's here and this team managed to salvage what was looking to be at one point, uh, an awful season to get to the tournament. So some kudos there, but I don't know, Sean, I don't know if they get beat out Friday night. I don't see how this fan base is going to be very pleasant for the next uh, nine months or what have you until or 10 months or uh, probably more like nine months before they get back out there on the court. The no, like six, seven months. Yeah. (laughs) Seven months. This is March. This is March. Longer Uh, than the layoff we had on the show. So, um, which is, which is done by the way, but we'll stick around to the end of the episode and we'll announce uh, some plans for this podcast and, and what's going to happen uh, very soon. But let's start by talking about what's coming up this weekend. And I think you bring up a, a good point. The fan base, and I, I put something out on Twitter yesterday and asked a question where, what would it take for Kentucky fans to call this a successful season? And I don't even, and, and no, I mean, I know it's it's a weird question, right? Like, because Kentucky basketball history, anything short of a Final Four or a national championship is considered what? Just like, blah they didn't do what the goal was but Derek given the way the season has gone given the injuries the recent lack of success in postseason play I would put it surviving the first weekend I think a lot of people would probably come out of it looking forward to next year with what Kentucky has coming in but even just beating Providence is a step in the right direction but if they don't survive the first weekend I don't think anyone's really going to feel much better about Kentucky basketball and the heat's just going to turn up on John Calipari even more I mean Paul Feinbaum has made it an annual thing now to kind of come at Cal's neck. Last year, it was that he was no longer the the man for the job. And then this week, it was this is a critical couple of weeks for Cal. I agree with that. Not the first part. I agree with the critical part. Like, it's this is crucial. Yeah, without a doubt. I think if you were to poll the majority of fans online or whatever, like if you started a Twitter poll, I think overwhelmingly – 
winning, like avoiding a loss to Providence in 11 seed, which would be an upset if you were to lose to them, without even adding in the whole Bryce Hopkins factor. I mean, if he happens to have a good game, that's a whole other conversation within its own, uh, within its own right. But I think most people just want. Well, I mean, most people want a Final Four, of course, but you kind of have to recalibrate expectations with what we've seen with this team. But to to end that streak where they have not won an NCAA tournament game since 2019, and I know it's only been two tournaments since then, technically, since the uh, since COVID ended the 2020 tournament before it even started. But that, to me, is like, get that off your back, especially in a season where it looked like you might not even make the tournament to begin with, like I said earlier. And they've managed to do that and really by the end of the year. I mean, they were safely in. They ended up with the sixth seed, you know, no danger at all um, of missing the tournament, as it turned out. But... This season has been so tough for – so tough in the sense that, like, we're just not used to these kind of seasons at Kentucky where there are several lows. You lose at home to South Carolina, which is one of the – like, this is not just your run-of-the-mill, oh, the worst team in the conference beat you. Like, if you go in the Ken Palm era, 20 years' worth of data, this was the worst SEC team to come into Rupp Arena and win a game. I mean, they ended up with 21 losses, South Carolina did. Um, no marquee non-conference wins, which, you know, they played pretty good. I mean, the most marquee win was about a Michigan team that didn't even make the tournament. That was their best non-conference win. So you lost, you know, there was nothing to build on in your resume in the non-conference. Um, and then, you know, the loss at Georgia was a bad loss, but that's not necessarily a killer. I mean, you're going to see a lot of teams lose games like that over the course of a season. But this team also had some real highlights. Um Sweeping a Tennessee program that, like, Kentucky has really struggled. I mean, I mean, much better Kentucky teams than this have lost to much worse Tennessee teams than this since Rick Barnes has been at Tennessee. So to sweep this team, which, you know, at one point in the season, Tennessee, I believe, was number one on Ken Palm. Uh, it yep. wasn't for very long, but they were a top-off team for most of the year. Um, to be up 40 points on Auburn, a team that's a nine seed at Rupp Arena, that's hard to do. It's hard to be up 40 points on a team in your conference. So there were always things about this team that were kind of sucky back in, but it's also like they turn right around here at the end of the season and lose to an NIT Vandy team, which with respect to Vanderbilt had played like a tournament team over the last month. So I'm not saying this was some kind of like horrible loss, but again, like you let that team, which lost its best player. And I know Kaysen was out for most of the game or most of the second half anyway against Vanderbilt and Rupp Arena. But at the end of the day, the results are the results and Vanderbilt beat you twice within like 10 days. They did. So there's like and enough two, there. Two road games pretty much. Yeah, it was in Nashville, but it was yeah. in front of Kentucky. It was in front of BBN. So, But that's also coming off a game where Kentucky manages to go to Arkansas again, mm-hmm. uh, either an eight or a nine seed. I can't remember which, but a tournament team. You go to their home floor after they'd already beat you by double digits in Rupp Arena. You don't have a point guard, and you play a great game and beat them. Put up like 88 points. <laughs> it's just like this team's so confusing. So it's been a hard hard year from 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 a standpoint of just trying to like get behind this team and because of that i think it's caused a lot of strong reactions for myself included um especially to that south carolina loss i thought they were toast at that point so this brings us to the tournament sean and like i couldn't tell you what the only thing i know is like don't lose to providence this first game and like you said i don't think people are going to be thrilled to only get to the second round if they were to lose to in that second round game which would likely be against Kansas State. I still think people would be upset, but I don't know exactly what it would be. I mean, obviously a national championship, but like, well, do we trust this team to win six straight? 
at, at one point on this job, I was confident when booking hotels for the entire weekend, whether it was in <laughs> Nashville or Tampa or where. Thank God I'm staying with family this week because if it, if they get bounced on Friday, I might get in my car and be back by Saturday morning. That's what I did in Nashville. So, no, I Kentucky fans need some excitement. The perfect thing would be to win the to get out of the first weekend, have that full week of build up going into the Sweet 16, yeah. and kind of make it feel normal again. And and I keep bringing up that they haven't won a tournament game since March 2019 in Kansas City when they beat Houston on the Tyler Hero shot, the PJ Washington block, a, a moment that a lot of Kentucky fans remember. We just didn't think it was going to be the moment we'd remember only for four years, and then the yeah. loss to Auburn. And and I get a lot of people that come at me and say, well, that's not fair because 2020 they won the league and they were they had a chance. They probably would have won some games in postseason play. But there, the one thing that we should have learned, though, from last year, or there are no guarantees. Regardless right. of where you're seated, they lost to St. Peter's. That year, that team lost to Evansville and had some moments in league play. Had lost to Tennessee at Rupp just a week prior and then without Ashton Higgins goes to Florida and looks good. So – were we going to have the same kind of pattern and then them lose the opening game of the SEC tournament? I don't know. Nobody knows. That team had good guard play, and I think that's what would have won this postseason game. So I do think that that team had a chance to win some games. I don't know if it was to get to a Final Four or just win one or two, but you can't change the fact that the postseason was canceled. They're still on a drought here when other Blue Blood programs are not. And that, right. that's what I that's what I look at now. And here's the here's the one advantage Kentucky fans have this week. Tell me a year when Greensboro is a location that there's no Duke or North Carolina. That's the running joke, right? It is. They're always going to be there. They're always in Greensboro. <laughs> and even the committees ship Duke to Orlando. Yeah. And and is Kentucky seated correctly? I have no idea. I don't know if anyone in the SEC got seated correctly outside of Alabama. Because I think – Tennessee, obviously their resume at one point probably had they had a resume of a two seed, maybe a three seed, and then they get a four. Texas A&M wins 17 league games, finishes ahead of Kentucky in the regular season. I know they had the loss at Rupp Arena, but it was a close loss. Then they get all the way to the SEC final, and they're a seven. I just think a lot of times that the committee bumps teams. We talked about this over the weekend, you and I did, that they create storylines and scenarios and and things like that. And in my opinion, this was one the committee looked at leading up to it and said, hmm, six seed Kentucky, 11 seed Providence, Bryce Hopkins, final dagger to John Calipari. <laughs> that is my belief, fully my belief, just like Kentucky, Indiana, and Des Moines seven years ago. Kentucky misseeded that year. Like I just think, or then you get back to 2014, the team that was supposed to go undefeated plays the team that is undefeated in Wichita State, like I just I think that there's storylines that the committee looks for that first weekend, and I mean it's not wrong, but it's not just the first weekend. I think in 2017 with UCLA rematch in the Sweet 16, that's true. I mean, a UCLA team, I think it only lost like four or five games the whole season, and yeah. that beat Kentucky and Rupp. <laughs> yeah, and of course Kentucky played an epic game against North Carolina and Vegas that year. I mean, that was a loaded regional for it was. Uh, for for a Kentucky team that. For my money, if you're asking me, it's not to say that the 2019 team couldn't have won a national title. It just, to me, the 2017 but, uh, feels like the, maybe the last like I, really, really special team. I agree. And then and we've seen it when the, the sea kind of parts. It doesn't work out. 2018, Kentucky gets through that first weekend. Arizona gets upset. You yeah. get 
Nate Oates at the time. We didn't know what Nate Oates was going to be. What's well, the first time I heard about Nate Oates? Was, yeah, and uh, was comments about Cal. And <laughs> I thought, and I, and I, and you know, in, in that moment, I think I kind of knew. I was like, this guy's going to be someone to watch, just because if if you're at Buffalo and you're confident, kind of taking on Calipari that way, you've probably got yeah. some some swag about you here that's going to either be your doom or <laughs> or something that's going to really propel you. And it's it's I mean, he's we can get it. That's another topic of conversation for Nate Oates and some of the things that he says. But he's got a good basketball team. Uh, you and I were talking about Alabama last night, but let's let's get back to Kentucky Providence. I told you yesterday that if Chalk holds and Kentucky plays K-State, I wish that they were playing K-State first instead of Providence. And the reason being is for K-State is not the team that scares me this weekend. Because when you look at the metrics and you look at what they are in Ken Palm, that is the team that Kentucky has beaten this year. The team that's not super efficient offensively, but inside the top 20, defensively and Kansas state is 51st in offensive efficiency and 19th in defense. I mean, Tennessee's number two in defense, Kentucky beat them twice, Arkansas top 20. They beat them on the road in Fayetteville. It's the teams that score the basketball efficiently, like a Marquette in this region that is going to be the teams that I watch that can bounce Kentucky because Kentucky struggles to defend those teams. I think Kentucky can have some defensive success against K state. Now, Providence is trending the other direction. But the one team that has beaten Kentucky in the course of the last three weeks, it was the most efficient offensive team that they'd played, and it was Vandy. Vandy not good defensively, but efficient offensively. I just don't think that Providence can do the things that Vandy does offensively. I think that Vandy was a a greater threat from three-point range and, and some guys that can knock some shots down. If Kentucky can just contain the basketball, Derek, I think that they got a chance to to win this game. I do think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be one of those games in the final five or six minutes where Kentucky fans are on the edge of their seat. But I do think that Kentucky wins out. And another reason why, there's pressure on Cal. There's pressure on Kentucky. Can you imagine the pressure that's on Bryce Hopkins, though, that he's going to put on himself? Because it's him against Kentucky, and it's Kentucky against Bryce. Like, it's a collective effort for Kentucky. It's a single effort for Bryce. And if he pigeonholes himself into that rivalry battle, Providence is going to lose. Yeah, we could probably spend like two hours talking about Calipari's usage of players and like the people that I've had problems with and how he's used them. I actually like don't have that big of an issue with how he used Bryce Hopkins last year's team. Um, you know, I think that injury Bryce had in the preseason or whatever probably set him back. And I know I know Keon Brooks still gets a lot of uh, you know, there are some frustrating times for Keon, no doubt. But I can remember making a tweet last year that people that definitely didn't like that. Uh, I think they're playing at Arkansas, and like I said, more or less that I would rather had Keon out there than Toppin because I think I think Keon was in the game and people wanted Toppin. Um, but I thought Keon had his uses, uh, and I was ready for this season, honestly, with what Toppin had done last year. I was ready for him to uh, to have a bigger role, and I wish Bryce would have stuck around just because I think those are the players at UK that you do need to keep around, guys who get into their second season. You know, there's no doubt on this year's team, Bryce would have had a bigger impact, especially there for a little while. Um, but, you know, I can remember feeling like Bryce was maybe slightly overweight a little bit last year, not in great shape. And the one confusing aspect of Bryce here, though, which I think is totally fair, is he more or less wins them the LSU game at Rupp, and then, like, we don't see him for <laughs> the rest of the season. So It's the uh, same but, narrative with Damian Collins right now, right? Yeah, well, yeah, he's gotta, still talking about – 
complaining. Yeah, I mean, it's the season's basically over, and now you're talking about having a guy. And I know Damian had his, you know, his father passed away, and that was going to put him in a bad spot this year. But Sean, when we talk about Providence, and I'm not trying to boil this down to the most simple aspects of this, just because, like, I mean, you know, the basketball X's and O's far more than me. But you just look at their starting five. Like, all five guys started their career somewhere else. We are familiar with a few of these guys. Like, obviously, very familiar with Bryce because he played here. But like Noah Locke is an old guy who has played against Kentucky many times <clears throat> when he was at Florida, went to Louisville last season. Devin Carter started his career at South Carolina. It looks like he's had a pretty good year. I remember thinking he was a decent player at South Carolina. But I honestly don't know much about Bynum, their point guard, and I don't know much about Crosswell uh, besides the fact that they started at different schools and then ended up at Providence. I have to think, Sean, maybe I'm just totally wrong. Like, I have to think UK is is pretty decisively favored in terms of the talent in this game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I agree with you 100%. And and I think Jacob Toppin is better than Bryce. I do. I think if Bryce had been at Kentucky this season, Bryce would have had a greater role, probably would have started some with all the injuries alongside Jacob. But I do think that Jacob's the better player. And I think that some of that probably played into that decision too, like in, in knowing where you're at and you got Chris coming in and things like that. But Mm-hmm. Bryce is a good player. I don't want to take anything away from Bryce. But I feel like we knew what was going to be this week when we saw this matchup. And I think we know what it's going to be. And of course, I'm going to be at both those interviews tomorrow and I'm going to be sitting there and Bryce is going to be getting asked about playing Kentucky. Kentucky's going to be asked about playing Bryce because that's the storyline that's been created by this matchup. But I also think there's a line here where we may be talking too much about it, if that makes sense. Just given. Yeah. That's that's the only reason we're even talking about the matchup is because of the history. But looking at their at both these teams, they rely heavily on their starting five, Kentucky for reasons that are due to injury. But I could see this being a game where if it's close, it's going to be one of those typical Cal NCAA tournament games where you're going to have dudes playing 38 minutes and not much to the bench. Like – Remember the Florida game at the on the road and you didn't sub in the second half? That yeah. could be the case that you see Friday night if it's a close game. You might see those five not come out. Providence is going to rely on their starting five, too. It's a lot of usage for those five, those two lineups. Who's starting 30%. five plays out? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Who's who's starting five plays out? Who foul trouble? Where's the foul trouble come from? I think foul trouble can make a significant impact in this game because both teams don't go to their bench. They're they're not deep. They they don't rely on a lot of guys. C.J. Frederick right now is banged up, and it's pretty much just a warm body running around out there. Like, he's <laughs> not really – in not a knock on C.J., 
It's an injury that you can't get, you can't heal from without playing, but that's not an option at this point. Do we see Sabir Wheeler? I, I hope not. And here's why I say I hope not, because are we are you really going to, in the most pressure-packed moment of your season, are you going to throw a guy out there that's not played in a month? That's not John Calipari and what he does. So if you if you do that, and here's the other side with this, if, if Sabir were to play, let's say he does practice. Let's say he practiced all week. You put him out there and you lose. What is said post-game and all weekend, Derek? Who gets the heat from that one? Yeah, and it it'd be a disaster. Or, do, am I wrong? I think they could use them. They, they could uh, I don't, use I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong with with where you're going with that by any means. I mean, I. So the perfect scenario would be you're in a comfortable lead and you play him spot minutes here and there to get his feet wet and you advance to the next game, and maybe increase that option in that role. The issue that I see here is. Um, we talk about Cal shortening his bench and, and really getting tight with rotations when it comes to tournament basketball. I think we've already seen that just from the Vanderbilt game with the, with the do not playing, right? I don't think he got in the game at all <laughs> against Vanderbilt. And this was a guy that even matchup base, you feel like would have had a better chance to help you out than someone like Lance Ware playing the floor, which was a bizarre decision. I thought, I thought he had gotten away the momentum and, and shifted momentum in the game yeah. when he went to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to blame one guy by any means, and that wasn't really. But Lance came in and played bad, like right away, and it was. Uh, and I think anytime he's out there with Oscar, you're not putting him in a good situation to begin with. So I'll put most of that blame on Cal. Um, we'll take him like, reach yeah, out that moment too. Not very smart. Yeah, I mean, he's on a heater, and he's sitting over there, sitting over there with you on the sidelines uh, down there. So I think, I, I think Savir. What you want, whether it's severe, or I guess it's the arrow or whoever, like, I just don't know that in Kaysen's current health status, he can play 40 minutes a game. I mean, that's that's the other angle with this. Yeah. So it, you're in a tough situation anyway. Um, and I don't know that severe is the answer necessarily, especially like you said, like the conditioning factor. We don't know what well, kind of shape he's in after not no. playing for how long has it been? He's not played it's... since. He missed Arkansas, right? He missed the. Uh, it was the Florida game on that Saturday, I believe, was the last time that he played, if I'm not mistaken. That's at right. Yeah. And then he didn't play against Arkansas, and it's and I'm and, and 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 I don't want to say like I said, I hope not. Like I hope that he doesn't play, but it's more so I hope it's right, not sure. just a forced type of thing. Like if you want to put him in there for a, a two minute spurt at a certain point, mid first half then put him in there. But then I think it's a getting back out and then throwing back in here and there. I just don't know sustained. Now, if he goes in, he's playing well. Does Cal ride with it? If he doesn't, do we look up and Savir's playing north of 20 minutes? If he does, it's probably because Kaysen's not healthy or something else has gone gone wrong. And all this kind of – so much has happened – They've won games down the stretch. They lost to Vandy twice, but there was so much happening in that stretch with Kaysen being out and then playing without Kaysen and going to Arkansas that I don't think that we got our questions answered on Friday night. Well, we did. We know where Cal's going to go when they need a basket late, and it's it might end up being the the fatal blow for the season. It's going to be Oscar on the block and giving the ball to one of the I'm, – I'm not putting this lightly. Oscar's not a good passer. And – struggles to make decisions quickly if you double him things or and if he doesn't make the basket or live on the offensive glass, I feel like you're taking Oscar away from what he does best. So 
post Oscar in a tie game or a two point game, you need a basket. Why don't we go middle ball screen with Antonio Reeves? Why don't we go middle ball screen with Casey Wallace and Antonio Reeves off the ball? Like if, if Wallace is healthy, it needs to be Casey Wallace and Antonio Reeves with the ball in their hands as much as possible in this tournament. If Kentucky wants to survive and have a pulse, don't go through Oscar. Let Oscar do what Oscar does better than anyone that's played collegiately at Kentucky and probably collegiately in, in the game in general in the last two or three decades. Yeah. Live on the offensive glass. Let that be how Oscar makes an impact. Don't play through him. I don't necessarily want this to turn into a uh, <clears throat> Bash Cal type episode. I truly don't. No, but it's, it's not. It, I don't think it's confusing to me still at this point in the season like for whatever reason it just feels like cows and really figured this team out even now with the usage we're talking about game 31 or 32 i guess uh forcing lance right there next to oscar again especially in a game against a team like vanderbilt where i don't know if he was just trying to go like super heavy size advantage or what the goal was but that was asking a lot of lance and oscar both to get out and try to cover smaller players who can go to the perimeter and, and take shots. You know, I, I just still didn't f- understand that his comment there on his rate. I think it was on his coach's show the other night where he's talking about, you know, Damian needing a role on this team. Well, I know Damian's season got off to a bad start because his father passed away. He was out of the, you know, the rotation for a little bit, but you know, he's been here now. I mean, he was here the whole, the whole time though. Yeah. Like he, he could have used him in SEC games. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, here, like, like you said, he was here. Like this is a sophomore. Like this guy's, they got the Bahamas trip. They had the Bahamas trip. Like, yeah. how are you still? And maybe that's maybe that's just coach speak. That could just be a, a thing trying to lay the groundwork to you know try to get Damian back for another season. I don't know. Um, if you're Same asking approach me, he took like, to Bryce last year, right? Yeah. Well, like he's saying the stuff about Damian. If you're asking me, like he's not going to be out there Friday if it's a close game. Damian's not going to be out unless there's you know severe foul trouble and you know Oscar can't I, be out there. I guess that's the question I have for you. Do you see Damian Collins checking into that game in the first half Friday night? No foul trouble. Do you see him part of the rotation at any point? With 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 Crosswell, I'm just Croswell or however you say the kid's name for Providence. I'm just kind of looking at his build or whatever. I feel like Lance will probably be. Because mm-hmm. Croswell's six eight two forty, so that's a, you know, Damian Collins probably doesn't even weigh two hundred pounds. So, right? <laughs> so, so does Cal does Cal play seven guys? Is that what you see? CJ Frederick is the six. Do we I see think CJ Stockton? and Lance are probably the two? Yeah. Unless unless there's some kind of you know foul trouble where you have to go deeper. I think I think not playing the arrow the other day is a sign of where he's planning on going with this. And I think you know, I think you. You had a stretch in that Vanderbilt game, which you almost never see, where you go nine minutes or whatever without a whistle, and Damian was supposed to check in during that stretch and then didn't get put in. So maybe we do so, see him. Possibly, but I don't see it being some kind moment. of big role. Yeah, I mean, I think well, he's going to try to ride Oscar as long as he can go. I do, um, too. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Toppin, I mean, you got to spell someone for Toppin, though, and it, it seems like he does not want to play – Livingston at the four, but I'm almost to the point in games like this where you're not facing, like you're facing teams that are essentially playing four guys who are six foot seven or shorter. Like to me, Thiero is a better matchup in these games than Lance Ware, but I'm not the one that gets paid nine million or whatever to coach ball. So maybe I just don't know, but that was one of the confusing things to me that last game. And yeah. I think you can also make an argument right now. I'm not, I do want to be clear. I think Thiero is a very raw player who is going to provide very little offensive threat, but 
he provides more at this point in time than what CJ does, he in does. my opinion. And he's I can't figure it. out why they're playing CJ so much right now over I mean, CJ is really not even looking to shoot the ball. I mean, no. he's hurt. He's clearly hurt. He's just running around. He's already like his what CJ brings you, generally speaking, he's not going to turn the ball over. And at his best, he could hit open shots. Mm-hmm. And he's not able to hit open shots right now. The, the arrow is going to give you a defender who can make some energy plays, like the putback right dunk at Arkansas. He's going to rebound. Get to the rim at times. And Doesn't always a finish. Bigger, a bigger guy <laughs> that can yeah. can guard multiple positions. And and I do think. Why did he do that? Why did Why didn't he play the hero? What would you say was the reason why? I can't figure it out. I don't know because that was the game that it fit. And what they had done, and you had Kaysen back, so Kaysen it wasn't a do having to run the one. You had Kaysen there. You had Antonio there. You you didn't have to throw him at the point. I think uh, a role for a do the hero off the ball for a two or three minute stretch if if needed. I think that's where they need to go, unless CJ's able to hit open shots, and that's he's not even looking to score the ball. He had, he shot a pull up jumper down there there not, and it didn't look comfortable at all. Yeah, it seems like he's having to really he's change. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's, he's having to change how he does everything. And so, uh, why would you choose to play a hurt guy when you've got a healthy guy that can give you more? Now CJ maybe healthy. They that. Now CJ healthy, you go CJ. I fully believe that, but if he's not healthy, no, you got to go a do so. I don't know. Like if if Toppin has to come out and Kaysen's able to go and, and able to play a lot of minutes, I, I do want to see if you're gonna play CJ, then I think you gotta go Kaysen, CJ, Antonio, play Chris at the four with Oscar. You have to. Just, Chris should be able to match up with Hopkins defensively, I would think. He should. He's gonna take some pressure off of, of Toppin in that moment too. Yeah. Like um Bryce Bryce has all the pressure on him. I think the most pressure in this game is on Bryce. Probably putting – a lot of people probably look at it as it could be the final blow to John Calipari if he loses to a former player that's thriving in a new role after on the heels of losing to St. Peter's and then missing the NCAA tournament the year before. The committee actually might have helped Cal by putting a former player up against him because I just think Bryce is going to put way too much on his plate. I do. I think this is going to be a performance where he's going to shoot Providence out of out of a chance to win the game. I really think that the kid's going to put too much pressure on himself. If that's the way it goes, then then it worked out for Kentucky. But if Kentucky wins this one, I think they're in New York. I think they I, beat Kansas yeah. State. I do. Well, and that's getting to the point that what I was going to say. It's like it, it seems very much like, – and you, you, you broke it down to start this episode, but it seems very much style of play oriented is the concerning part of Providence. It is. The, the things the, that they're good at, Kentucky has struggled with. The the perfect run for Kentucky, I sent it to you last night, would be you have to play Providence. You can't skip that one. Like, that's the yeah. one that there's no way around it. Providence, and let's just say K-State advances as the three. Like, let's just say Chalk holds. Then what I do actually think could happen, love to see Michigan State again in the Sweet 16. Given the, the metrics in, in Ken Palm, I know it's Izzo in March, but it wouldn't shock me if it's Kentucky, Michigan State, and Madison Square Garden, and it's Duke at the top half of that thing that Kentucky's playing in the Elite Eight. And Duke is another team, metrics-wise, that just looking at it, I, I think that there's teams that Kentucky – this region fits Kentucky. The team that scares me the most, honestly, is Marquette, given what they do offensively and where they where they rank in, in that number. That's a team Kentucky will struggle to guard. 
Yeah, I only watched Marquette play one game, and it was against Xavier on Saturday in the Big East Championship, and they looked incredible. So yeah. I'll also say I only watched one NC State basketball game this year, and it was against North Carolina, and I also thought NC State was, like, amazing to watch, <laughs> very fun. And it turns out they were not very good. But, you know, that just goes to show you small sample sizes. You, you see a team on a, on a good night, you can see a team on a bad night, and it can influence your decision. But, no, Marquette, I mean, the Big East is a good basketball league. Only, and yeah to win it the regular season and then to run through the conference tournament as well. That is a, uh, a good team. And I know Shaka's career has been kind of strange because he got a huge head coaching job at Texas and didn't really do anything with it. But this is a guy who has taken a team to the final four uh, in the past. And Marquette is a program that has been to the final four in the past. So that, that metric that we look at, that number that people pay attention to all the time is what teams are ranked inside the top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency in Kim Palm, right? There's four of them right now. Houston, 11th in offense, fourth in defense. Alabama, 19th in offense. But here's the big one, third in defense. That's the difference for, for Nate Oates this year that I, I think that they got the defensive side to go with what they do offensively. Plus, they're going to have the best player on the floor. Yeah. Majority of the time. And then the other ones, Texas, 18th and 11th. And then UConn. Sixth offensively, 18th defensively. Those are the four teams ranked inside the top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. How many of those get to the final four? I'm willing to bet at least one of them's there. Maybe, maybe two. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be a, a big good fan. tournament. Yeah. I've, I've heard you on other podcasts and just from us talking, you're a big fan of, of offense late in the year. You, you must be in love with the West region yeah. with Kansas, UCLA. I mean, they're not both top 20. You're talking about UCLA, but UCLA right now in Ken Palm's 25th in offense, first in defense. But the the caveat there is they, they've had pretty serious injuries down the stretch, one in particular with Jalen Clark, uh, which is going to hurt them. But that's the region to me that, like, thank God Kentucky avoided that region because, <laughs> you know, the three seed in that region, instead of playing at Kansas State, like, they would have had to play Gonzaga. And we saw what happened to that earlier this season when they played them. I mean, I, I think – I think any of those teams could could get out of that region and really be. I, I think any of those top four in that region with Kansas, UCLA, uh, I have that right, right? It is Kansas, it UCLA, is. Gonzaga, and yeah. uh, and Orsi being UConn. Which I mean, you look at the metrics. That's one of the teams like all year. I, I think the ESPN does like their thing. They've had some kind of like long running piece on that website every year. They pick eight teams and one of those eight teams that they've picked based on the metrics has won the title and UConn was included. I think like three teams from the West region were included in that uh, thing, which is, which is really crazy. I'm with you like the East region. I mean, even if you had to like go play at Purdue, I think that's a winnable game. It is. And it's There's the three point wrong. shooting to the three point percentage. Kentucky is one of the better three point shooting teams in the region when it comes to, to percentage and, and, and where they rely yeah. on those shots. Like, I don't know if you saw that number out there yesterday or not, but, there was a lot of talk about – so right here, uh, top six seeds ranked by three-point percentage. Kentucky's 104. Uh, the next highest is Marquette, 137. K-State, 174. Duke, 197. Tennessee, 227. And Purdue, 255. So, like, you're you're in a region where what Kentucky does, Kentucky might get to do in every matchup. And that's where I was coming from the other night, and some people got confused when I said this, that I want to see Cal mix in some zone. You can't do it against Vandy. You can't do right. it against teams that are shooting the the crap out of the ball, but 
scout it and know your scout and mix in. And if you play seven to 10 possessions a zone out of timeouts or side out of bounds situations, just mix it up and it changes it up. But my upset pick is actually Florida Atlantic to get to the sweet 16. Dusty May, your believer. Yep. And, I, and I think honestly, Florida Atlantic or Memphis, either one, I think is getting to the sweet 16, whoever wins that matchup. I think they're going to beat the one seed Purdue and, and advance on, but, and then Louisiana over Tennessee. That's my upset pick of the first round. I, I can get behind that one. Tennessee struggles to score the ball. Louisiana offensive efficiency and, and things. Like I think that's a team. I think that's going to be a close game. But Eric, we got about two minutes left before the timer kicks us off here. Uh, I've got to go run and grab my laptop charger. If you want to take over for a few for a few seconds here. Yeah. Um, I guess I can just break down kind of where the show's going. Uh, Sean will primarily be uh, hosting Kentucky Daily. I think he's probably planning on going a little bit more guest-oriented, a little bit more guest-heavy, maybe probably even heavier basketball. And he, once he gets back here, he can correct me if I'm wrong. But just with my work schedule, it's been very difficult to find all the time uh, to hop on here. I mean, I think I will certainly be making appearances, but in general – at this point, every episode will feature Sean. Not every episode will feature myself. And uh, I've enjoyed hopping on here today, and I would love to hop on here whenever it is when the season ends to discuss how it ended, the team moving forward, things like that. And if Sean wants to talk football or baseball or anything moving forward, I'll I'll certainly be happy to hop on there. But uh, if you're a big Sean fan, not so much a fan of me, this is good news for you. If you if you do like me, uh, get at me at other places. I'm on Twitter. You can read my baseball newsletter, anything like that. But I know we got to go here in a minute, so you can close it out. Yeah, I think we got about 40 seconds here. So yeah, I'll uh, Derek will be popping on anytime he wants. Uh, but starting tomorrow, be under a new contract with the pod, and uh, I will take it a guest direction, a couple of episodes a week, and then some solo things uh we'll still hit the football talk still hit the basketball talk and uh anything else but please stay subscribed to this kentucky daily will be a daily podcast it'll be back to turn out probably 20 plus episodes a month here very soon but as always he's Derek terry i'm sean smith we'll catch you next time on kentucky daily <laughs>